You have a heart that breaks for a dying city. Stop cursing your future. <laughs> Is not true. For all intents and purposes, I am a woman. No government, no political system has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is king of kings, and it's about time our nation returned in humble submission to his lordship. You are not protecting women. You are authorizing the destruction of 500,000 little women every year. Oh, but that's, I didn't start uh, it. Sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start it. Right, when the spirit comes upon people, they go to war. They go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back, and they're slaughtered. Yes, welcome to Cross Politic, everyone. Thank you for listening, downloading us, subscribing to wow. us. Hello. Yep. Wow. I have, we have a number of hosts here today. Oh. Uh, we have a special host who I'll introduce first, and then we'll get to the other oh, guy. Oh, yeah. I'm so you giddy. You guys are last. I'm so well, giddy. Uh, we have welcome a special- Ch- Chocolate Knox is back. It's Chocolate Knox. We're going yeah. to introduce Chocolate Knox now. I didn't, I didn't know I needed an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know. He came back, though. From where? Oh, that's right. Chocolate was in Minnesota. We missed you. Yes, we missed you. Yes. Now the population of Moscow, Idaho, went down. uh, In black black population doubled. (laughs) It doubled when you came back. (laughs) (laughs) So we're back to normal then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So of course we have Toby sitting in front of me. Hello. Pastor, praise the Lord, Pastor. How you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Doing all right. It's it's fall. Mm. It's it's fall outside. Did you notice how cold it was this morning? It was. It was I'm, chilly. I'm, I got my beanie out. It was chilly. I'm wearing my beanie wherever I, I go that. now. It was chilly. My ears are big. The leaves are falling. I need to keep them cold. We keep, also have- cold? Yes. <laughs> I need to keep them warm. It's backwards He's day. only got one that works. Mm. Let's also introduce, so Ben can actually have some fun with us, Dr. Ben Merkel, president of New oh, St. Andrews, is in the studio boy. with us today. Everybody, hello there. Y'all yes. getting ready. It's about to get crazy. The, the He's only, the president. The doctor He's and the president. president. Yeah, you need to avert your eyes when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> oh, president. Sorry, that was my, that was my oh, name. Oh, man. I'm well, dropping I, secrets that he's going oh, no. yeah. <laughs> oh, I know yeah. stuff about I, you. I just got out of an NSA board meeting. I can boring I can, meeting. No, I said board Ooh. meeting. I said board meeting. I Give them a smackdown. What did you, what did you, what did you guys like discuss? That, you know? I'm gonna tell everything. I'm gonna tell everything. Hey, speaking what, of, what's up? I just got a text from a listener just now, literally. Saying, I, that's what I was looking like. Is that me? Oh, that, was me. <laughs> that was me. That was me. Hey, turn your phone. Don't off. turn our phone off. I need to turn off my notifications. Uh, fail. Um, but uh, we really appreciate everyone who's downloaded and listened to the podcast. Tell and us our gone stats. Gone to our website. We had last week because our stats are just now getting up and running. We had last week at at least um, 600 downloads last week. Oh. So that's <laughs> super awesome. Really appreciate Who you guys. Who are those people? Well, here, here's here's something <laughs> yeah. we've proved. Guys. We've proved that there's at least 600 people out there. Who can waste an hour? Yeah, at least, okay. at, least. at least 600 people. Yeah. We weren't sure. And, wow. And our reach, our reach is, um, we got uh, our reach into Turkey, Mexico. What? Um, A UK. shout out to Turkey. Yeah, Turkey. Hello. It, either people. they accidentally got on our website yeah. and downloaded. <laughs> They're like, oops, oops. It's <laughs> in English. <laughs> Poor people. Uh, well, thank you. Hey, you know, that's huge. That's yeah. Awesome. Where, wait, wait. You didn't finish. Turkey, where else? Um, uh, UK, of course, Canada, and U- US. So of course, are, Canada. Are, yeah. Don't you know? <laughs> wait, that's Norwegian. That's Minnesota. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, nope. Canadian folks, I didn't do that to y'all. Uh, let, me, let me read a couple uh, feedback from some of our listeners here. Um, I got uh, from Waylon O'Connor. Shouts out to you. This is probably my favorite uh, feedback that, was, that we got back. Um, he says, I just found out about the show. Thanks to Apology Radio. The man, uh, and man, I love your show. To me, it's the first... It is. It's a fist to the face. <laughs> you want to try that again? Yeah. To me, it's a fist to the face. Mm. It gives me that edge I love. The intro sets the tone, and I love it. 
It's like Rage Against the Machine meets Apology Radio. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope God continues to bless you and every everyone else uh, through your we ministry. Should just, we should just let him know we don't have any job openings. So he can so, Way to right go, Waylon. I know. We don't have any. Sorry, bro. We don't have any job yeah. openings. Thank you, though, for the review. Thank That's you. awesome. Thank you, Waylon. <laughs> uh, we also had one other one um, uh, we got was, oh, where'd it go? It was on. Oh, that was it. Just that one. It. <laughs> no, we had a bunch. I was trying to downloads and one review. I was trying to go through all my texts. I text you guys all the all the feedback and everything, but yeah. I can't find it now. Well, you know what? Hey, it, it's it's very very good to have a few people listening to us. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that anybody would take the time to listen to us guys. I mean, now look, I can understand if it was Pastor Merkel. Mm-hmm. See, I can't stop doing that. I know. Doctor, 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 doctor. I can't help President. Call him Elder Pastor. Don't, you doctor. looked into his eyes. Yeah. I actually prefer El Jefe. <laughs> <laughs> and you're here for the whole show, right? I believe so, yeah. Oh, we're in trouble. He, he got suckered. <laughs> as far as he knows. We'll see how this goes. He got different <laughs> <laughs> It could be cutting out after break. <laughs> so uh, let's get to some news. What happened this last oh, there's week? There's no news. There's I think, no it, news. I think we Nothing. all know what happened. A Nothing. fight in the we had planet? We had a debate uh, on Sunday night between two- Last night. Two, two people, I hear. Mm. Is it uh, a debate? It's just awfully good that someone- with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Oh! <laughs> oh! Got him! He got him! Get her! She, she needs ambulance! She's on the ground! Somebody help! Security! Oh! Ouch! Did you see her face? You should have seen her face when, oh, when, he, oh. when he said that. Could, but that, could... was, that was the first time the crowd clapped, so they, they instruct the crowd, do not clap. Right. Do not, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did, did you watch that whole debacle? I I rolled around and wrestled my kids on the ground while I was on the background. No. So. You subjected your children to such foolishness. Oh man! <laughs> my my six year old daughter said, "What are they doing?" <laughs> what we're doing, baby? I, I said, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> They're just wrestling. They're just wrestling. <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't know what it, is debate the right word. I don't know. Like, I, well, is is a town hall uh, more more of a town hall format and everything? But they instructed the crowd, "Do not say anything." And everything. That was the first time the crowd actually reacted. I watched Twitter for most of the evening. I was just yeah. following it via Twitter. Yeah. I just like mm-hmm. I mean, it was just blowing up. Afterwards, Twitter said that, that it was the most tweeted about like I think political event. I don't know what the exact thing what the category it falls in, but seventeen hmm. million hmm. tweets. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Related to yeah. the debate. At the board meeting, uh Chaba was there who was just back from the Ivory Coast, Africa, yes. West Africa, and was describing how you know West Africa was following the debate yes. for the, the campaign really, really closely. Well no, why would they why would they follow yeah. it so closely? It has a lot of impact on them. In what way? American foreign policy. Oh yeah, they Ooh. care. That oh, that yeah. really do they get money from us? I mean like like well, I mean, what we're going to do with troops, I suppose, I suppose money as well, but I yeah. think more how we're going to handle things in the Middle East and things like that, because that affects oh. you know, the northern bit of Africa quite a bit. Yeah. So the real right. reason the we Kurds have you on the show, yeah. uh, Dr. Pastor Ben Merkel, yes, sir. Um, right, who are you voting for? Right Reverend. <laughs> right Reverend Dr. We, we, need, we need an informed view on, on who you're voting for so we can say, okay, we're going to be- I'm, uh, It's still uh, up for grabs, but as of now, it's probably still Alfred the Great. <laughs> Which, by the way, Ben has written a book on Alfred the Great. <laughs> do you, do you go to Canada Press the Great every single time. Uh, well, it, it wouldn't be the first time I voted for Alfred, and usually Sir Philip Sidney for his vice president candidate. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. I feel like he does something they're to round like, out the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are we allowed I, to write in a I VP? Wasn't... 
I was did. It? Did <laughs> I wasn't expecting this kind of comedy from you. I was expecting more of a little, you know, this is one of the other things that kind of fooled me with you is I know, and most people don't, uh -oh. that you are an athlete. Oh yeah, not just any kind of athlete, but you're a skier. That, that was a, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. That was a good. Oh. That was a good look. Are you really? Oh. Are, you talking, are you talking water uh, ski? Water ski. Oh, oh, oh and okay, not just yeah, any kind yeah. of like. Oh, let's just jump on some skis and have some fun. The really? Dude, yeah. Can I call you Mister Dude? You can. Mr. The Mister Dude. Oh, Hefe Dude. Hefe. Hefe Mister Dude is beast on some water skis. Really. Brother how, doesn't wipe out. How do you know this? Uh, because we were shooting a documentary. Oh. It was, you remember They Grow Up Fast, right? Darren Dome. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So there's another one that it's in the works still. It's called Summer that oh, no. he ends up kind of being the star in. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. See, no, they say, they say, come on up. We'll hang out at the cabin. I'll take you skiing. Uh, I, I go out there. There's like a couple cameras in the back of the boat. Yeah. There's uh -huh. there's a camera mounted to the handle, the rope handle. Oh, I'm yeah. holding onto the ski. Wait, and then there's nothing. a drone following oh, above you... with the camera <laughs> catching yes. the whole thing. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, I'm looking ridiculous. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> Mr. Dude performed every bit of it. Like, he, I mean, <laughs> didn't wipe once, took how far did you go? A couple miles just like beasting like shredding i'm like wow. what wow like that's so and that's something that i this i'm going somewhere with this this uh, should be a qualification uh, for president th th this is what i was gonna say yeah. is like everyone here in our little culture community kind of caught me off guard mm -hmm. and and this is one of the ways that uh mr dr dude uh ben merkel uh did this is that it was super duper manly like it was like <laughs> but so i i got kind of fooled by the tie and the suit jacket Yep. Right, like you know, I got yep. oh the bow tie, yeah, okay, the suit tie, okay, the jacket, okay. I, I thought that meant one thing, but don't get confused. <laughs> just, just to be clear, there's never been a bow tie in the mix. Others, others around. Put a marker on that. Ties. Put a marker other, on other, that. Yeah, other, other people around wear the bow ties. I was just saying, but yeah. you know, but, but the guys here, they have this amazing dual duality that I love, which is they're they're amazingly fatherly, gentle. Husbandly, but when it comes time to like get down and get dirty, these dudes are beast. Like, and I love that about the guys that are in leadership. It's like you know they're, they're not just in some ivory tower. You know, no, they're in the works. Their their hands are in the mud. You know, and they have the ability to do whatever it is. So kind of like you know, if I have a solid theology, I also have my hands that can perform it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, and it's it's a duality that I love. I love being that kind of clean at the same time. Like, hey man, pull out the boat. I'm gonna shred on you real quick. <laughs> like, oh, that's amazing. I'm still really scared that this footage is out there. <laughs> well, and I something that I don't see Jonathan. I don't think Jonathan Edwards could ski. I, I don't know. He could maybe, but it's one. Of, it's a wonderful thing that I love that our theology is actually practical. Pastor Merkel's fun. You know what I mean? Uh, Pastor Doctor Dude, President of uh, NSA, it's super fun too. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's one of the things that you don't usually get. It's usually like you're so high up you can't be enjoyable. Right. You know. Yeah. If, well, is it isn't another faculty member Mitch Stokes? He's like got five black belts or oh, something. That, yeah, that's, exactly. Don't let the bow tie fool you. Oh, yeah. no. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, <laughs> you will get smashed. You know, I love that. I love the fact that it's it's unassuming. You know, I don't think that most people when they roll up on you or roll up on uh, black belt Doctor Stokes that they would think that I could lose my life right now. 
And I like that that can exist in those two worlds underneath a bow tie or a tie in your case. Thank you. Thank and, and a suit jacket. <laughs> I love that yeah. that can exist like that, you know? Yeah, amen. Oh, you just act like I didn't say like that. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Norm Knox. That's that's, no. we, we live yeah. like that. No, everybody knew you, that. You You're lived like, in Minnesota too long. No, but you know what? There's usually the guys are soft. And usually guys who put on suit coats and suit jackets and their ties, they don't have it. Sure. The, the, the blue sure. collar and the white collar lives don't exist together. Yeah. And yeah. so when you see a man that can get down and get gritty with you at the same time, you know, being very high up and that's impressive. That that leaves this um, this dual duality. It kind of it kind of makes it more enjoyable. Like, man, I want to be like that. So you know? I want to be that kind of man, you know. So there's good gritty. And there's bad gritty. Donald, Donald Trump can't see. There we go. Probably Donald like, Trump. <laughs> probably not <laughs> to like segue a segue in to Donald Trump. There's bad gritty. Right, right. And what happened last night at the debate? The first um, uh, question that they started off with was Donald Trump's lewd, lewd comments. Uh, right. Uh, on basically, as they phrased it, that he was advocating for sexual assault in his lewd comments. Um, and he could get away with it. And he can get away with it. Right. And so they start off, and it's been proven. The debate, the debate began, has been proven by both by both Donald and and Bill Clinton. We're uh, just talking about don't don't try and we, we know we know we know Bill's got his issues. And but what I think I think kind of what what's striking about all this with with the recent revelation of of these lewd comments from Donald Trump that happened back in two thousand five, right? Is that there's all these evangelicals and even current politicians who are now backing away and unendorsing Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Falwell tweets out. Uh, either last night or first thing this morning, how proud he is of Donald Trump. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. No, full oh, on. Wow. Full on. Like, double okay. down. Wow. Like, triple. Y- that You're tripling down. Yeah, no, like, full yeah. on, full on. Like, I'm all in. Way to go, Donald Trump. Like, wow. no, and no, like, uh, and this is the, uh, several of the people that were retweeting it or commenting it or replying to it were saying, this is the first thing he said since the lewd recording yeah. thing came out. So, follow just, Thing, the thing is, I mean, I know later on we're going to be talking a little bit about Christian higher ed, but that Falwell right there, right. that has everything to do with the fear of presence of Christian schools mm. and what's going to happen after this election. Yeah. Because it, so much is at stake, and so he's 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 pushing all the chips on the table on Donald Trump and betting that Donald will save liberty and, and protect. Yeah. And, oh, and, man. And, and Hillary, I mean, is throwing all the signals that, you know, she's not, she doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so well, she yeah. has a private opinion, uh, a private. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what did she call it? Oh, yeah. She said, "I have a private policy and uh, a public policy." Public policy. Yeah. yeah, right. Uh, that's a good. That's a really good angle, though, because I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, Falwell has got um, Christian higher ed, and yeah. and so all the chips on the table. I'm all in. But did yeah, he, did he say what he's most proud of with Donald? Like, what did he list like it all? Like, hey, I'm proud of. I don't know how he treats. Women and no, but it, I mean, do you guys remember the picture when when Falwell? Um, oh yeah, had, right next to the Playboy right, picture on yeah. the wall. Falwell yeah. and his oh, wife. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Falwell and his wife uh-huh. with Donald Trump, Trump with mm. Playboy on the on the yeah. wall. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the picture was like a thousand words. And so his comments the next day on that because he got tons of flack from yeah. evangelicals. Mm-hmm. He said, "Hey, Jesus hung out with sinners," right. mm-hmm. and that was his. His response was, and then said, no, but, but so Jesus, proud of you. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but Jesus didn't endorse sinners, <laughs> which is what right, he mm. said, go oh. and go and sin no more. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Of course know, he hung out with sinners. Yeah. So, so in, in contrast to Falwell, we have someone like Wayne Grudem who yep. probably has the number one selling systematic theology book in America and possibly mm-hmm. the world. I mean, Wayne Grudem is everywhere. When you look on the shelf, you'll see his systematic theology almost in everybody's shelf. Mm-hmm. He's come out and said, you know what? I was wrong. Yeah. You know, I was wrong. 
he's not a man of character. I can't endorse him. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not. Now, here's what's interesting about that. He didn't say he wasn't going to vote for him. What he said was, I hope he drops out. Yeah. yeah. He knows for sure he's not voting for Do Hillary. Do what's right and get out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope that he drops out. Right. Yep. That was how he responded if whether or not he was going to vote for. Uh, look, come on now. Falwell says, proud of real Donald Trump tonight, won by a landslide, exclamation point. <laughs> Emphasizing issues will always trump Hillary Clinton. No Republican could do better. Oh, my wow. goodness. That's awful. <laughs> well, he might be right right now. <laughs> you know, the truth is, is he might be right. Everybody, I was looking at Cruz like, okay, Cruz, I'm not a big fan of yours, but, man, you've right. been holding out. You're too, wait, wait, what? He did what? Yeah. He endorsed him? Yeah. Oh, I mean, honestly, that might be Falwell might be exactly right. <laughs> yeah. He's right. No one can probably do better. All no, the people who no we Republican. respected, no, no Republican, Republican. Right. yeah, um, all the people we've respected in some way have capitulated for the purpose of not supporting Trump necessarily, but being anti-Hillary. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The bottom line, though, is why is this a surprise to anybody? Mm-hmm. Like, why? I mean, why is? I mean, Wayne Grudem actually says in his apology to his credit. Um, that you don't know, do it because I'm gonna smash him in a minute. Go ahead. No, but it, <laughs> to his credit says uh, people could validly ask me why I didn't see this about his character earlier. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. That I, was. And, yeah. And, and, I, and I probably should have. Yeah. yeah. But but like for real. No. Mm-hmm. No. Like for real, should have. Like not, there's no surprise. Probably. There's not no probably. surprise. Yeah. Right. This is this is. I'm sure there's a hundred or a thousand more recordings. Just like this. He yeah. has books on the issue of politics right. and godly character in politics. He has a book on systematic theology where he's written strictly on sin. And, you know, um, well, I'm just talking about, yeah, I'm just, talking, talking, about, about, I'm just talking about Trump. Trump's comments. Trump's video comments. That's, yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Wayne Grudem yeah. had, for him not to have vision sure. on the issue of Trump yeah. concerns me about him as a leader. Mm. You know, this is one of those things where it's like, I forgive you and I'm happy you're back in the fold, but don't expect me now to follow you. When you can't have vision on something so plain, this is not something, if I tell my daughter, hey baby, go get the yellow pen, and she comes back with the blue pen and the yellow pen, and they're sitting next to each other, I don't trust her anymore when it comes to seeing colors, mm-hmm. or, or she's not listening. Mm-hmm. Whichever the case, they're both super bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So in this case, he's telling us, he's, he commended other people to vote for Trump. Why don't you step back for a second and say, let me consider this a little more. Watch what, how this plays out. Or, hey, be like other leaders. I ain't going to name no name, but, you know, Pastor Wilson, uh, um, who've mm-hmm. been one way consistently and hasn't bent the knee. Right? Don't bow the knee, <laughs> dude. That's all you have to do. Don't bow the knee. Now, welcome. You're welcome back. I love you. Your systematic theology has some issues, but I still love it. Yeah. But I'm so, not, I'm, let, I don't, let me, let me I don't ask trust them on worldview issues anymore. Well, let me ask this question. What? How does a guy like Wayne Grudem, what, what, um, uh, weak link does he have to to be able to think this way and to be able to end up endorsing a guy like yeah Dr. Merkel what what kind of uh... what what <laughs> what's happened um to his reasoning to be able to get to the point where I mean because he's systematically he's pretty solid and I, then all of a sudden I, I like, what, it, what's going it's on purely a matter of of gambling whether what was obvious but nobody's talking about is going to become so obvious that we have to talk about it hmm. Ga- gambling that you'll be able to get away with it for long enough mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any way this it wasn't coming here. I mean, yeah. of, of course this was going to become apparent, so it was a silly gamble. And right. this, and this fear of Hillary, it always I mean, was. I mean, it's just I mean, there's yeah. there's a huge fear of of the Clinton, you know, thing. Yeah. Uh, and and so when you have, I mean, I think, and lesser of two evils, uh, it lead, it's a slippery slope. 
I mean, right. you, you, it's you know, it's 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 a setup for compromise. When you when you just sort of set yourself into a, a context where, like, you know, it's always lesser of two evils. It's always this way. Well, you know, evil compared to what? Yeah. Well, and, and look, guys, America does ten to tw- ten to twelve billion dollars a year in pornography. I don't believe that you're outraged. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. I ain't, I ain't buying it. Yeah. yeah. Next on Cross Politics. We have coming up an interview with Charles Sykes, Sykes. on the book Fail You. Exciting. Great interview. Fail You. Apologist. Apologist. Apologetics seeks to give credible answers to curious questions, to give a defense. What is idolatry? John the Apostle said, keep yourselves from idols. Well, this begs the question, what then is idolatry? Idolatry is the sin of creating pseudo ultimate in place of the ultimate ultimate, who is God. It is looking to other things besides God to provide ultimate fulfillment in our lives. Now, granted, we're not melting down our gold, throwing parties and dancing around it. Uh, We have a different type of idolatry. It's updated, 2.0 style, call it neo-idolatry. It's a little more sophisticated perhaps. It comes packaged differently. We market it differently, but never Nevertheless, it does the same thing to our heart. It's been said before by John Calvin that the human heart is an idol factory. We churn out idol after idol after idol. And these are often good things that become ultimate things in our lives. I remember hearing a story about an American pastor who was in, in, in India. And he was walking down a dusty road and he came upon a place where they were sacrificing uh, to uh, chickens to the chicken god. And basically, uh, as you know, there are over 300 million idols in India. And he spoke to this lady there and he said, hey, will you ever come to America? And she says, oh, I've been there before. I'll never come again. He was shocked and he asked why. She said, because I cannot stomach the idolatry. He thought, here I am watching people sacrifice, you know, chickens to the chicken gods and she can't stomach the idolatry. What's the deal? And where do you see idols? He wondered. She said, your idols are everywhere. You build stadiums to your idols and you gather around and you worship your idols and stadiums. You throw parties in your family rooms and invite your friends to come and gather before for your idols in your family rooms. You build restaurants to your idols. They're on every corner. They're all over the place. You see, isn't it interesting how idolatry has a different perspective looking through the lens of one culture than it does our own? We need to realize that idolatry is running rampant, not in every culture, but in every human heart. And the way we crush idolatry is through craving God. For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build Him a house, not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world. Not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college, to equip students with the tools to build and fight. And this is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, check us out online at nsa.edu forward slash explore. Well, folks, welcome back to Cross Politic. 
Uh, I have uh, with me, of course, our one of our hosts, uh, Toby Sumter. All right, here we are. Let's do <laughs> We're going to do this. And then I also have in our studios Dr. Ben Merkel, uh, president of New St. Andrews College. And then on the phone, I have uh, Charles Sykes. So uh, thank you for joining us, uh, Dr. Merkel and Charlie. Hey, thanks very My much. My pleasure. It's a twofer. It's a twofer. Yeah, twofer today. Twofer. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to discuss actually uh, your book. So, so Charles, just give a little background on Charles. Um, you are an author, and you also a radio host yourselves, aren't you? I am. Uh, I'll expect that's a, my that's my day job. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll expect a grade on our show after this. <laughs> uh, and you, so one of the books, uh, your newest book is Fell You. That's basically Fell University. And um, it's kind of, in a, in a lot of ways, a, a condemnation on, on current um, uh, higher education promises. And I think when I, when I read through your book, I think the one thing that, that first, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get away from this, where it, it seemed like the root of uh, universities, are, they're failing systematically, but it's not a, a situation where you can just change and adjust the system or or change maybe some sort of legislation. It seems like there's like a fundamental problem with universities in the U.S. Is that is that kind of more what you're trying to get at? Is like there's fundamental issues and not just some sort of structural change that will make things better? No, I, I can't imagine what one thing would, would, would make a difference. I mean, you know, higher education, first of all, is this massive complex that's really embedded into our economy and our culture. And I think that, you know, one of the things I talk about is, is why it's been so hard to make colleges more accountable, why efforts at reform have failed in the past. And, and in part, it's because they have had a monopoly access to something that's been crucial, uh, which is the bachelor's degree. And, and as long as um, people thought that the bachelor's degree was essential for being part of the middle class, then they were willing to pay higher and higher tuition. They were willing to put up with a lot of the um, uh, the indifference and the absurdity of higher education, because really it was uh, um, it was just something you did. This is what, and I start off with the scene of parents at a graduation ceremony saying to one another, "We did good." Now, did that mean that that their children got a good education, a quality education, that they actually saw professors in the classroom or had a curriculum that that made any sense? No, it meant that they got that one degree. Hmm. Um, I think that may be changing now. Now, you, you, um, would you connect that bachelor degree problem also to private education? Well, yes, and, and I, mean, I want to make it clear that I'm, I'm not uh, painting with a completely broad brush here. Um, you know, obviously, there are still schools that are quite committed to providing a quality education, and I think some of the smaller. Um, liberal arts schools or religiously based schools have a very, very clear idea of what their mission is. But I think what's happened is, is that, is that higher education got away from a focus on the life of the mind. They got away from a focus on students as people, um, uh, you know, who, who, who needed uh, to be educated and began pursuing their own agenda. And that's why you have this massive explosion of cost, massive explosion in debt. Um, uh, bureaucracies that have grown uh, out of control, um, Taj Mahal building projects that have really um, made higher education this 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 out of control behemoth that it is today. Why yeah. why have we why have we gotten away from that? I mean, what's what's the cause you think of us forgetting that um, the education of 
people is a um, you know, in the life of the mind is is central. What what's causing that? Well, and again, this is not true at every single college, but I think it starts at some of the biggest and most prestigious universities where the focus um, has not been on undergraduate education for decades. And I ought to just give you a little bit of background here that, that you know, this is really kind of a follow-up book to a book that I wrote almost 30 years ago called ProfScam, and, and that talked about the flight from teaching, the dismantling of the curriculum, where universities decided they were about something else, about the research agenda, or they were about, um, you know, ser- serving some other master as opposed to what happened in the classroom. And I, I revisited and basically found that that that, um, that flight from teaching, that devaluing of the undergraduate education has actually gotten a lot worse in the last three decades. So part of that is the answer to the, is the, answer to the question, what is a university about? Um, and a lot of those universities, you may list, you know, 10 major missions. And at the bottom of that list is the actual education of the undergraduate student. <laughs> um, Charlie, this is this is Ben Merkel. I, I was introduced. I'm the president of uh, New City Andrews College. We're a small uh, private Christian liberal arts college. And I would just uh, by way of introduction say I can't. Um, I can't recommend your book highly enough. Um, I just thought it was such a, um, you really put your finger on what's going on in higher ed and so many different points in that book. I've already um, put this on the reading list for the board of New St. Andrews to read uh, because I just think it's, it's really good. And anybody who's uh, thinking about um, thinking critically about college and what they want to do for college, I think this is a great uh, introduction and an important read. And one one of the things, yeah, definitely. And one of the things that I thought you, you noted um, the irony of how, the more we throw free money at schools, the more expensive they get. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering if you could flesh that out and then also maybe um, say something about this idea of what if all of college was to become free, what's that going to do to the expense of it? Yeah, um, this actually goes back to something that uh, former Education Secretary Bill Bennett noted back in the 1980s. He actually wrote a piece called Our Greedy Colleges. And what he documented was that every time the government provided more free money to colleges, colleges used that as a green light to in, to spend the money and to make it more expensive. Every single time we have pumped government tax money into higher education, higher education has gotten more and more expensive. So then you ask the question, what happens if we go along with this idea of, of free tuition? Well, uh, I, I think there are two problems right now in higher education. One is the cost of higher education, and second is the value of, of higher education. And value means what are students learning? Mm-hmm. Um, are they really being prepared? And, and I don't mean just you know being prepared for jobs, but again, what, what kind of an education are they getting? Free college tuition does not address either one of those problems. It will not make college cheaper. It will make it more expensive based on this experience. And, and it will basically be a bailout of higher education, which means that those schools that are not providing value in return for tuition um, will, will no longer feel the pressure to up their game, to put more professors in the classroom, or to address these concerns. And one of the things that I address very bluntly is that the reality is we have too many young people who feel they need to go to college. You know, this whole notion of college for all sounds good for politicians, 
But the reality is, is that not everyone needs to go to college. And, and as a result of this, of this push to push everybody into a four-year college mold, I think we're setting too many students up to fail. I think there are too many students who spend too much time pursuing degrees that cost too much money when, in fact, we don't need to be doing that right now. Yeah. I, I think that that's dead on, but it's also uh, complete heresy. <laughs> yeah, I'm fully aware of that. When's, when's, when's the last time you got invited to a university to speak? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because, and I, and I tell the story in the book, about the number of times that I, uh, when, when my first book on higher education came out, I spent a lot of time on college campuses, and, and, and obviously some of them were very hostile. But I also had some interesting experiences. I mean, I went to one big university here in my home state of Wisconsin where I was talking about this flight from undergraduate teaching, how you know students would be lured to big universities by uh, the prestigious faculty and all these famous professors. And then when they got there, they found out that they were blurs in the parking lot. And, and instead, a lot of the teaching had been turned over to graduate students. And by the way, this is, this is something that I think smaller liberal arts schools really ought to market is that you actually get professors in the classroom as opposed to, for example, teaching assistants that may not speak understandable English. But I remember one of the first times I talked about that, I had a professor at the University of Wisconsin stand up and say, Mr. Sykes, that's just simply not true. We don't do that here. We do not have graduate students who don't speak English in the classes. And I was a little bit taken aback because, of course, they did. And um, so rather than, you know, engage in a, you know, you know, he said, you know, back and forth, yes, no, yes, no. Yeah. I asked the, the audience, the students, and there were about three or 400 of them. I said, how many of you here in this room have had classes with teaching assistants who do not speak understandable English? And about three quarters of the hands went up. Wow. <laughs> and, and it was it was one of those, the guy was just going to stand there and just flat out deny that it, uh, that it took place. Wow. But the other thing that I, that I got a lot of on, on campuses when I spoke to professors and you know, talked about why they didn't teach more was complaints about K-12 education. How many students are showing up for campus, you know, showing up for college, and they're not prepared to do college work at all. They've just been set up. They've been admitted. Um, they've been given diplomas, but they are—they just cannot do college-level work, and this is a huge problem in American higher education. Mm-hmm. With all the all the data you got at in your book, and uh, I mean, it's it's heavy data. What is why are colleges seemingly kind of rejecting this narrative when when you can you know there's a lot of facts behind uh, the bankruptcy of universities. Well, I mean, they reject it is because, you know, this is, this is their culture. Um, they want to preserve the status quo. Um, they are pursuing, they're going where the money is. And the, the money for them, once they get the tuition money, those warm bodies in the classroom, um, they want to pursue uh, other contracts, other priorities, research. Uh, and obviously, they don't want to acknowledge that they, in fact, have been providing less value for more cost. I mean, all institutions resist criticism. I mean, that's the, the status quo is the status quo for a reason. Most institutions have to adapt or they die. In the case of higher education, however, because they are tenured in, they have been remarkably resistant to change. Yeah. And as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, in part that's because parents have been, society have been willing to write out the check uh, you know, almost with no questions asked. But again, I think with this higher education bubble and the 
one and a half trillion dollars in student debt, that may be changing. Seems like the bottom, I mean, one of the bottom line things here is that you've got, um, I mean, education has become a business and, and when, yes. and when education becomes a business, then, um, then the bottom line financially is the bottom line. Whereas if education is a mission, um, then people are willing to sacrifice a great deal financially to car- yes. carry out a mission. Well, that's that, that's exactly right, and, and certainly what I would would encourage parents to do is look. You know, I mean, obviously we we have, you know, all of us who are parents want the best for our children. We want to get them the best education possible, and and we are prepared to write out some pretty big checks. But I guess what I would say to people is, look, if if you want your sons or daughters to get a good quality education, be smart consumers. Look for those colleges and universities that are actually focused on teaching. Don't simply assume because the tuition bill is high that you're going to get a better education. You know, I mean, I understand how powerful you're always pursuing the most prestigious degree might be, but ask yourself, what is the value added? And there, there's, there, there ought to be more value assigned to schools that actually treat undergraduates seriously um, as a whole person and are committed to educating that young person. And, and I think that, the, that if we think of this as a marketplace, though, a marketplace of, of competing schools, there are outstanding choices, but there are also some truly horrible choices. What a crazy idea that real value is actually more valuable. <laughs> exactly. Well, that, it's like gravity. That, that, you tried it. Yeah. Well, that, that's why I think we have a bubble, though. It's not. It's not just that the cost of higher education has exploded. You know, so much faster than the rate of inflation, and the debt has exploded. It's at the same time the value that people are getting for that has been declining, and this is what makes for bubbles. It kind of reminds me of the housing bubble. Yeah, people just yeah. okay. So I'm gonna spend $50,000 a year on tuition, but it's worth it because, you know, it will lead to these middle-class jobs. Well, what happens when those middle-class jobs aren't there? What happens when people go start asking tough questions about, well, what exactly did we get for that $50,000 a year? And I think that's beginning now. Do you see uh, the what appears to be some upcoming upheavals in um, accreditation? Do you see that as something that's likely to help pop this bubble or mask it? Um, well, it, you know, what, yes, um, accreditation is a huge issue because this is, you know, part of this gatekeeper. This is part of the, yeah. this is part of the way in which higher education protects itself and perpetuates itself. So, um, I would certainly encourage alternative forms of, of accreditation uh-huh. to be able to, to say, look, you know, we, we can't have a one size fits all for all of these schools. Um, we can't continue to reward what the academic I'm sorry, with the higher education complex values as opposed to what I think uh, parents and students ought to value. So, yeah, that that's going to be a key component. It seems like, you know, bottom of a lot of this, I mean, it, it's hard to it's hard to miss the fact that simultaneously while all this is happening, um, there's this massive erosion of commitment to just the idea of truth. Right. I mean, so so just just the idea (laughs) that there's actually truth and that there's, you know, objective reality to study and to know. I mean, at some point, your feelings just don't count. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like I mean, like Gabe said, you know, gravity, if you tried it, I mean, like there's this there's this reality out there. And so that you you, I mean, that that's that's how you measure 
real value. So when we're talking about real value, we're talking about students that go in with knowing less, coming out knowing more, and that they actually, you can actually measure that and it's real and it's true and objective. And while we, you know, it, it just, it doesn't seem like a surprise at all then that we devalue truth and then we're surprised that truth isn't the way we measure value. You know, it's it's interesting you bring that up because I just gave an interview a little while ago on a completely different subject, actually, about how we have really become a, a post-truth society. Yeah. That our politics are post-truth, and that that we have a tendency to blame, you know, the the media, which I'm willing to do, um, and 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 the, and the political class and politicians for for this. But the reality is, is that. We, as a culture, have devalued the concept of truth. We've devalued the, uh, you know, creating critical thinking so right. that people can actually engage in linear thought and ask whether some, this is true or not. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, Alan Bloom wrote this book about the closing of the American mind back in the 1980s, yep. and and the 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 lack of ability of of you know. Of a, of a generation to basically make distinctions between truth, truth and falsity, between right and wrong, to engage in sequential logical reasoning, and to make moral choices. Um, you know, there's a consequence to society for having an educational system that does not value those things and does not present those things. You know, you you've been a uh, complimentary to the to the liberal arts colleges uh, up to this point, but I think on that subject, the liberal arts colleges are are probably the most to blame for that um, that slide. <laughs> That's interesting. And it meaning basically meaning that truth is yeah absent or the desire for truth in liberal arts because they're the ones driving the sort yeah. of the postmodern post truth yeah ideology. Yeah. So so well it, yes no. yeah. So, so no, it's funny because it's that's not funny. That was not the word. I was not funny at all. Um, but we'll laugh. Um, the first time I began writing about you know postmodernism was was back in the 1980s when it was very much an academic phenomenon, and to look back on it now and to realize how that kind of thinking has now seeped into the general culture, yeah. how it has become popularized. And how it really drives and affects much of the political debate that we have right now. It's kind of alarming. Yeah. But again, it goes back to the, something that, that we all know and need to be reminded of is that ideas matter. Ideas have consequences. And sometimes the consequences are pretty dramatic. Right. But if, right. And if, but if language really is just coercive and violent yeah. and, and it doesn't actually correspond to reality and so on, then everything is just manipulation. And, so you're just trying to, you know, trying to get what you can get. And then you go back to uh, college bachelor's degrees are basically a union card. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So you get you get the union card and and what that card actually represents becomes less significant. Right. Because what is an educated man? What you know, what 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 is the knowledge, you know, that, that they're supposed to have? Well, you know, high, higher education discourages asking questions. I mean, the higher education complex, I'm sorry, discourages that. Because they want you to focus in on that union card or you know the prestige of their degree. You know, you you uh, you noted a, a quote from William Bennett where you you said that um, in your book this quote he said that higher education is underaccountable and underproductive. Um, I'm I'm just wondering it, if we were to rectify that, what does it look like to get uh, higher education accountable? To whom should it be accountable? Um, Who's who's failing to um, give it the grade it needs to give? 
receive right now. Well, yeah, and I'm, but it's probably a long answer for that. But I mean, obviously, it should be accountable. Um, you know, first of all, uh, to to society and to the students as as well. Um, I do think that in terms of accountability, there ought to be this question. You know, basic questions like, okay, what is the value added? What has someone learned in the two, three, four, five years that you spend in higher education? Does every single degree have to be a four-year degree? Can we now begin talking about possible alternatives? Can we look at different ways of teaching and presenting and evaluating knowledge? All of those things, I think, are out there. But right now, you go to any major university in America and ask, basically, okay, so what does uh, you know a four-year degree you know what has someone learned can you tell us can you quantify it in any given way in any way the answer is no they don't they they can't do it because they don't want to do it they, there's no measurement whatsoever mm-hmm. and if you are charging the kind of money that people are paying right now there's got to be some sort of accountability so i um uh, have worked in corporate life for the last 10 years 11 years and the 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 common uh, understanding is you get what you measure. And yeah. so you, you get what you measure and it's kind of like you, you get what you incentivize. Well, you also get what you measure. I, I feel like um, part of my work had been in education and they're always talking about, Oh, well, we just need to change this or we just need to change, tweak this policy. Okay. The incentives are slightly off or this continuing education uh, fund is um, needs to be reworked to incentivize this better, whatever. And they're always talking about the surface issues of how to make education better and, and work smoothly and get the right outcomes that they, that they desire. Um, it, it seems like they're just going around and around in, in circles let me get to my question here. Uh, we're a Christian podcast, and I feel like none, nothing is being discussed at the root of the matter. No, the root problems aren't being discussed. We believe, I believe, that all truth begins with Jesus. We don't have, we don't have math. We don't have, uh, uh, you don't get one plus one equals two without there being a logical God driving that system, right? We can't even, you can't even make that up out of thin air, and. And so, I mean, like, you know, Harvard, a lot of these colleges that were foundational to America's educational system when, um, uh, when, uh, are, were, were founded on that truth, were founded on Jesus Christ being the basis of all truth. And so the farther we get away from that, now you see in our education system, we got all this, we got emotional angst everywhere. That's yeah. not, that's not um, anchored to any sort of truth and no university. I can't tell you how many education professors, presidents that I've worked with in the last 10 years who um, either would not answer the question, what is truth, which should be a basic question that every college president should be able to answer, (laughs) right? Just what is truth? Your job is to defend that. You're the president. Answer it. Or um, would just say that's a good question and kind of leave it there. Um, I know that's kind of not really a question, but a lot of thoughts there. These, these are the kinds of questions that I think parents and students need to ask. I, I think they need to ask questions like this. You know, if I come to your institution, what will I learn? Um, do you take concepts like truth seriously or, or not? I think that a lot of parents would be really shocked by the intellectual atmosphere of, of what actually goes on in the, in the classroom. And, and this does, as you know, as we, as we mentioned, you know, apply to, you know, small liberal arts schools as, as well. So again, you know, ask those kinds of questions 
And, I, and if for no other reason, that it would be entertaining to watch the right. college president squirm. <laughs> yeah. So we got a couple minutes left. Um, let's uh, let's maybe uh, give Charlie one more question. Do you guys want to? Yeah. Um, I'm curious. You know, it, towards the end of your your book, you started pointing towards this idea that is it the MOOC? The um, yes, yeah, MOOCs. The MOOCs uh, as this sort of disruptive new thing, and and um, it seemed like, and and I think you acknowledge this um, uh, in, 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 to a certain degree, but it seemed like is not the MOOC just another version of the same problem we're having of a very distant education where um, I, I can understand how a, a MOOC would be disruptive to a dysfunctional university the way that you've described it, but uh, a functioning school that was really delivering what it promised isn't the MOOC um, actually a, a, a distant second or third um, to the quality that you would get in a real classroom. Yes, I mean obviously it, it's it's not a one size fits all thing. Now the MOOCs are these uh, it's a terrible acronym, you know, massive open online classes. <laughs> yeah. What what it would do though would would, would be for a smaller school a, a way of kind of weaponizing their curriculum, where I would envision that that you you find the best and the brightest teachers from all over the country, and you'd be able to add them to your 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 basically store of weaponry. So that students would be able, and again, you can pick and choose which ones you want to, which ones you want to offer, uh, and which ones would would share your value. But you know, for example, you know, if if you wanted to have a course by somebody like you know Robert George from Princeton, or somebody else who might be you know teaching at the University of of Washington, you know, these really high level courses, you know, can be a supplement rather than a replacement. Mm-hmm. But my main point is that. Is that they provide a form of you know technological alternative to the status quo? Every other industry, every other institution has been changed and transformed by these new technologies. Why not higher education? I really like that weaponizing curriculum line. <laughs> I think we should popularize that. We're going to weaponize our curriculum. <laughs> That's great. That was actually a bit of a microaggression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, no, back to the question that um, uh, Ben was asking a minute ago about um, accountability. I mean, I think, um, I mean, it seems like what um, the, the force of all this is that, I mean, the government, um, like it does with many other things in the market, um, kills accountability. I mean, if you have if you have free money flowing into the market, you don't have to. There's the for, the market forces that are meant to make you compete. Um, you know, they dissipate or minimize. Yeah. So I mean, is, is 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 the yes. is the way forward to real accountability for schools getting government out of it? Yes, um, to the extent that you possibly can, and that's why I'm concerned about the these government bailouts that, uh, that some of the politicians are talking about. That in fact it would eliminate that that pressure that that pressure to be more accountable. Um, and going back to this question of accountability, unfortunately, a lot of schools do think that they are accountable not to the students um, but to government, and the government bureaucracy is becoming increasingly heavy-handed on these schools, pushing their agenda, using laws that were never in, you know, intended for the purpose they are to push their agenda. I mean, a lot of what's going on with the microaggressions and the safe spaces and, and, and some of the handling of sexual assault is being very much driven out of Washington by the federal government. And um, you do have a lot of the policies of, of schools that 
that that are being uh, pushed by this political agenda and this political narrative. Yeah, that's that's very good. Well, folks, you can pick up Charlie's book, Fell You. That's Fell You University. Uh, the False Promise of Higher Education. You also, like you mentioned, uh, a book you wrote, kind of a, a prequel to this, was Prof Scam. Mm-hmm. You wrote back in the, I believe it was the 80s. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll, we'll link both these books on the Cross Politic yeah. website uh, so our listeners can go check those out on Amazon and uh, order them up, share them, give them to their friends for Christmas. Send them to your senators and legislators. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Charlie. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Charlie. Well, my, my, my pleasure. I've enjoyed it very much. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. One Minute Apologist. If you had one minute Apologia. to be able to unpack for the audience. We interview the world's leading apologists to provide credible answers to curious questions. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. My name is Bobby Conway, and I am here with Dr. Richard Howe, an author and professor at Southern Evangelical Seminary. Dr. Howe, it's good to be with you. Thank you, Bobby. It's good to be here. Dr. Howe, there's a lot of belief out there concerning what it means to be a cult. How would you answer, what is a cult? That word is used in two different ways, Bobby, and it causes a lot of confusion. The media uses the word to talk about groups that are socially or personally destructive. You think of Branch Davidians or uh, the Jim Jones cult, people committing suicide and these kind of things. Theologians have used the word to mean a group that departs from one or more of the essential doctrines of the Christian faith. So when we sometimes refer to, say, the groups like Mormons being a cult, we're often misunderstood as if we meant to say that Mormons themselves were socially and personally destructive, which is not what we're saying. Generally, Mormons are very uh, conservative, family value oriented, so we don't mean to say them as a cult in the sociological sense, but more in the theological sense. So we're saying that they've been off on one or more doctrines. Absolutely. That's exactly what we mean. Good answer. Fail you, Charles Sykes. Ladies and gentlemen, this segment is brought to you by the Shoots Black Butte Porter. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say NSA. I was like, yeah, sponsor. And, and New Belgium, Fat Tire. All right. I need to get me some of that. Delicious. Yeah, we, on, you, you guys you, talk. I'm, we, I'm we, you're too nervous. You You've been too nervous about Wayne yeah. Grudem. Well, you know what? That bothers me. Wayne I had Grudem a lot of respect for Wayne Grudem. Got the chocolate knocks down. He did. That's one of the guys. While I was over in the charismatic movement, it hurts. I didn't have it any hurts. solid theology. Here's Wayne Grudem, a shining light over there, you can't, like, bringing you me can't, over to you guys. You can't right? put your trust in men. I know idols Come always on. break the hearts of their worshipers. Come I on, know, man. but I, I, you know what? It's a guy who I respect okay. and who I'm willing to say, you know what? This is a wise man, and I'm going to oh, stand behind him. Open that beer. Okay, I'm let's talk about right. let's talk about higher ed. Yes, let's talk about yes. Charles Sykes. I I did not read the book. I'll read this and drink while you guys talk. But okay. I mm-hmm. I listened very carefully. To the interview, to the what interview. he said in the interview. And, yeah. Uh, man, yeah, it seemed like... The, the book is, um, I, I think it's fantastic. It's a really devastating account of what's going on in higher ed right now. And it's actually, it's a really easy read. You can do it pretty quick. Yeah. You, even, I, even I could do it, Ben. Yeah, even, <laughs> even you. Pastor oh, Toby. All right, all right. I might I might get to it. Actually, um, I uh, I was I mentioned this earlier. We The New St. Andrews College Board met this last weekend, and, and uh, I was asked to give a, an exhortation, a charge to the to the board as we kick things off. And uh, I used some of what we talked about in that conversation as a springboard for the exhortation. And because the, the thing that really struck me about this interview, this conversation with Sykes, it was it's like not a very 
deep thing, really. Yeah, uh, it, no. hor- horrifyingly simple. But um, education is actually about the transfer of real, valuable knowledge, mm. wisdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible says that wisdom is more valuable than gold and silver and rubies, yeah. and nothing you can desire compares with wisdom. Amen. It has, it has real value. And so if a student um, isn't actually being educated, they're not actually receiving that value, and and then the, the education is literally worthless. Right. Has no value. And so, and so uh, the value of an education has everything to do with, like, a real transfer of knowledge, wisdom, understanding. Um, yeah. And... It's no accident that in a in a in a culture that on the one hand you got government doing its thing we talked about that a little bit in the interview um, subsidizing things as if as if the as if this information is is not worth it it needs to get propped up mm. it needs government subsidy yeah. and, and which actually dilutes it even uh, further even further but on the on the flip side you you got all the this relativism this postmodernism that says we're not even really sure if there is such a thing as truth yeah right and so like when you don't Except know what, that statement. Yeah, right. But yeah. if we don't know what truth is, then we don't know what an education is. Yeah. You look at I was going to inter- Am I on the record? I don't want to interrupt. I'm, I know I'm you're gonna, a beast, though, but we, I don't want to We got to hear from El Jefe. Well, <laughs> go ahead, doctor. Well, no, I I, I, I fully agree. And I think, um, for one thing, what, you know, just as, as if you're that next generation, what sense does it make to position yourself so that you don't receive the inheritance? You know, you, you've got this massive treasure stored up. Right. of wisdom and then to put yourself in a, in a line where you're not going to receive the inheritance is just terrifying but the the other thing is i think um you see and i think sykes brings this out well how you you've got two things where um education is both put forward as this false false savior right you know right. everybody right. appeals now if there's a problem education will heal it right and so you make it you've turned it into a false false god and then thrown free money at it, and there's there's no better way to ruin something than to turn it into an idol and throw free money at it. Right, and they're not really talking about like I mean, and the, and the fact of the matter is, is, it's not really education. It's called education, but it's educational programs. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a it's a bunch of programs yeah. in which they think that something automatically good is going to happen, right? Because you you know have this structure, but but if you don't have a foundation understand a foundational understanding of what truth is mm-hmm. and why truth matters, then it, that's not going to fix anything. Yeah, well, the, one of the things we were actually, you mentioned the board. Um, we had just finished another book uh, for the board. Which I I'm, also didn't read. Oh. <laughs> I, I did read that one. This is one. confession time. Um, is confession I, time. I'm, uh, I'm blanking on the title of it now, but X, it was a really. X, it had a big X on it. Excellent Sheep? Excellent mm. Sheep, yes. Excellent I sheep. read the cover. <laughs> wow, you got that part. Uh, ben read the sheep. book. You read the cover. Yeah. We got this together. No, he, he we, worked together. Yes. we worked together. We worked together. He points out, though, how like, about 50 years ago, um, if you were to ask the question, you put a, a list of questions. Why do you go to college? What, what's the purpose for going to college? And around it was somewhere between seventy to eighty percent of the people would say to um, you know improve my mind so I can be a better thinker, a clearer thinker, and understand right. who I am to learn. And yeah, and then about thirty percent, around thirty, would say uh, so I can make more money. And he said now it's the exact opposite. Oh, yeah. Wow! Oh yeah! It, it is to, it's just to get about, a job. It's about money. a job, yeah. yeah, and not about character formation, which makes it this very – we've radically narrowed what an education is about. Oh, yeah. And the problem is, is if you tell somebody, no, no, education is about so much more than that, 
they right away immediately are suspicious that you're saying, I'm going to give you something where you won't be able to get a job. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at you with the eye right now but, like, yeah. look, man, I need to make some money. But this yeah. is because we don't believe the truth actually exists and the truth is actually valuable. Yeah. And so a college education is like playing the lottery. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're just playing the slots. And and you're trying to get it's it's just odds. Well, and you yeah. artificially artificially inflate the cost so high. Eventually, you're just gonna it's gonna become a numbers game. Mm-hmm. It's so, not gonna become about learning information. It's gonna become about making money. But this is because so but this is because we've lost. I mean, meaning there's there's no meaning. The, there's but the, no thing, the thing yeah. you're, yeah, the right. thing that's ironic about that though is you're saying because we don't believe in any, that there is such a thing as objective truth. And the question is, where did we get taught that? It it mm. was the liberal arts yes, it was. department. It was the academy in our colleges that said there's no such thing as objective truth. And what they did is they completely destroyed their entire department. Where an English department now exists so that we can provide business writing classes for yeah. the business majors, yep. um, mm. technical writing. Yeah, yep. it, it's it's technical writing. You you exist in order to provide the core for the other degrees that are vocationally oriented. But the humanities destroyed itself. And 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 is sitting there, you know, in the corner, kind of whining, but not not understanding that we're the ones that did it to ourselves. So so I got a, I got a fundamental question here. How did? Um, I like, just want to point uh, out that Gabriel raised his hand. I did. I did. I did. He raised his hand well, to talk. I interrupted. He, he that was very good. That was yes, very good. He, Way he, to yes, raise he, your he hand. He was like Knox is going to jump on this. We're not gonna, look at me. We're not going to put his name oh. on the board no. this time. Okay, but Gabriel, um, that's your. You know, you have a fundamental. So I I read something. Uh, this past week, where it said, I think over uh, out of 108. You're just bragging that you read. I did. I, I, don't, I can't even remember what I read. What did I read, sorry, Toby? What did I read, sorry, Toby? Finish. Finish. <laughs> so uh, it said something like uh, out of the first 108 colleges that started here on American soil, I think 102 of them were started for Christian oh, yeah. foundational reasons. 102, yeah. 102 out of 108? Yeah, is, un- is unreal. I mean, it's just amazing. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. And it, it, well, everyone brings up the Harvard example, mm-hmm. right? Harvard. Uh, through and through, and the core Christian. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I read through. Do I need to speak in there a little more? Mm-hmm. And and I read through. Eat that mic. Yes. <laughs> oh, I got excited here. Um. So so one of the things that Harvard put out when they started their their college, they put rules and precepts of Harvard. Okay. And <laughs> it, this is unreal. So they they have eight of them, and I just want to list number. I just want to read number two, and then ask you a question about this. So Uh-oh. it says, "Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well." The main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. John 17, 3. Right. And then it goes on to say, and therefore to lay Christ in the bottom of everything. Christ Ooh. is foundational in everything. I mean, uh-huh. that's that's precept number two. Harvard. Harvard, right? How did we get from all these Christian universities to where we're at now? Big question. <laughs> Yeah. Three, words in three words and three words. Three words. How much time does he have left? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think you have the larger, just the trajectory of the liberalizing within the church, which is, you know, yeah. a, a complicated story. But that's 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 a big part of it. And then I think with within the schools, it was the shift towards thinking that um, it's not about the formation of the mind; it's about prepping you for a vocational, uh, some sort of vocational opportunity. Right, right. Um, and, and by vocational, you, you mean Again, it's trying to get a job in order to get money. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's it's not but, like a not a rich biblical understanding of vocation as calling by God. Yeah. to be fruitful. But, but and, even that, I I think we ought to push against that definition of vocational training because if you want to say I want to make you into the kind of person who'll be able to take care of themselves, vocational training is actually the way it's being used now actually doesn't fit the bill very well 
because what it does is it gives you the technical skills that are associated with one particular job. But I would mm-hmm. I would be interested if we went around the 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 circle here and asked what was your what was your undergraduate degree and how does it line up with mm-hmm. what you're doing for a career now? Toby's yours works because you went to NSA. <laughs> so <you gotta laughs> yeah. Which is a plug for oh, NSA. Yeah. A plug for San Andrews College. Andrews College. NSA.edu. <laughs> but I, I mean, I was a chemistry, I was an education major focusing on chemistry. I haven't touched a test wow. tube since I got out of college. Say that Amen. You did what? Uh, yeah. I, I did chemistry. And didn't you drive tanks in the army or something? Marine Corps, please. Marine Marine Corps. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, shut his mic off. Sorry. What are you talking about? Sorry. Don't get it twisted. No, but I'm I'm just saying like people- water skin and tanks. Yes. You dig? You know what I'm Put saying? You down. But people people think I need to get this certain major so that I can have this kind of job. And right. you find out that, for, mm. you know, when you show up that first day on the job, <laughs> that's, right. They teach the, you. that's when your actual vocational training begins. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, yeah. everybody knows right. it's in the industry. You actually find out how we do it. College is about preparing you to be the kind of person who can who can do the job, but it's it's who can learn the job, who can do right. all the right. – and be a bigger person than the job. And I think when you just when you just pick your degree so that you can prep for one particular skill set, you're really paying. You're going to school for four years and right. paying how many you know tens of thousands of dollars for something you could have picked up in three months. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Bernie but, Sanders is going to make sure education is free one way or another. Oh right, right. So yes. they're not going to pay in. Chocolate Knox is our resident liberal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bernie I, Bernie dropped out. I just wanted to point that out. You think he no. dropped out? He's working behind, man. So, he knows what mm, he's doing. No, he sold yeah. his soul to Hillary. Mm. Uh, the um, so wisdom. And this is what we're talking about. Wisdom. Yeah. All right. So yeah. biblical wisdom mm-hmm. um, is not a checklist. Yeah. Right? right. Biblical wisdom is is a is a um, is a character is a, is a way of of walking before God in this world, such that you can handle yeah um, whatever the world throws at you, whatever yeah. life throws at you. Um, wisdom is is not just black and white. It's it's principles yeah. that allow you to apply uh, what God has said about the world and what's true about the world to your life. And learning day. to walk faithfully in it. And the the thing is, is we make it we make it all about the salary, and in doing so, we've cheapened it so much. Because because the thing is, is even right. even if That's we were to, to put it, yeah. if we were yeah. to just say it's about the money, just think of it this way: How expensive is sin? Uh, like if, if you're living a foolish life of sin, right. how many hundreds of thousands of dollars are you going to flush because of the various vices right, and the right. stupid directions right. you're going to take your life? Right. Um, it's yeah. a it's a foolish way just in terms right. of the cost cost analysis. This is it's all and it's it's all just a great I mean illustration of if if you try to save your life you'll lose it. Yeah. Right. If you try yeah. to save your life you lose it. If you try to you know hit the jackpot. You're going to lose it. Can I just uh. can I just speak to a group of people that are listening to this? This is probably shocking for them to hear this because the worldview that's set up now I'm is getting ready to be shocked yeah well i'm gonna try th- th- well i'm listening to this and i'm like this is fresh i know this i agree with this but a lot of this is fresh because what we're taught is you go to a well not even a christian school most people are sending their kids to government schools to be trained and educated but mm-hmm. you go to a school should be christian school or homeschooled and then you go to college. But they got to be light. To right. The, to the, they got to be light. <laughs> right. right. So they can be light to witness to those, right? There's a lot of people who got saved from Christian kids in government schools. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> tons. But, uh, tons of them. Tons. It's a revival, bro. Um, and so you go to- So we to, got Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> All those Christians sending their kids to public schools. So you, 
<laughs> oh boy, you guys are good. Send your emails to crosspolitics at gmail.com. But so you go and you get this education, and usually you want to make sure that those, you know, kindergarten to 12, it is extremely Christian, saturating the word of God, and so that you can have some form of way to support your family because I'm sorry, I play devil's advocate here. Yeah. Liberals art degree doesn't really get me a job anywhere. Right. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't, I can't get a job. I don't make any money. I can't support my family. So this sounds all nice and good on right. one side, but hey, I got a good Christian education from K- kindergarten to twelve, especially a homeschoolers, right? Right. Raised um, in in the home godly house, these kids know how to live godly lives. Right. Right. And so they have this saturation there already. Don't yeah. they need something to apply that to apart from a liberal arts degree? Yeah. You know, and so I, I, I yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm totally sympathetic with that question. Like, I mean, I want to, I want to have a job. Be a politician, look at <laughs> that. <laughs> I am totally sympathetic. He has a private policy and a public policy. No, I mean, I, I get that because, and, yeah. and, and that's the thing is, like, when you say no, no, education about all of life. If I'm a high school student, I'm thinking you are shining me on. You're trying to hide from the fact that I can't get a job with your degree. And you trying to make some money off. Yeah, you're just yeah. trying to change right. the subject. Why do I need oh, one more Latin paradigm? Yeah. Please. But but here's, what's that? Here's, <laughs> <laughs> Two the, reviews. Did you go to the public school? Is, the uh, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, like I look I look at the students who have graduated from NSA. I don't see unemployment. Like I I mean that's an interesting thing. Is like we yeah. have meme net. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see unemployment. Hey, the kids that graduate from my school, no unemployment. Yeah. Huh. Well, no, it it, it's true. I haven't I haven't ever seen a student graduate from all NSA. seven of us yeah yeah <laughs> I, I haven't seen a student graduate from nsa and not get a job wow. now maybe they don't get a high paying job or whatever but they seriously they, they seriously. all transition to work yeah. which is really shocking because if you look at the actual unemployment after a college degree it's i, I forget the actual statistic yeah. but it can get pretty scary and like yeah. you think you finish college you get a job but that's not the i was norm i was life. actually thinking about this just in the in the boardroom on friday and uh-huh. saturday there's five alums i think on the board or four right, yeah, of us yeah. and um but i'm, I'm looking at I'm looking around the room at the guys that are that are all grads of nsa and it is it's impressive oh yeah they're doing I, like, quite I mean, well I, I mean, one's I a like, tax attorney it, one's an yeah. uh, investment with goldman sachs one's i mean they're, yeah. they're not struggling for work I, if i want to if i want to just sit and like list what nsa graduates are doing last last graduating class um one girl's off to Harvard to do her master's. I know uh, two that are at Oxford right now, one doing a, a doctorate, one doing a master's, not from this last class, but previous. Mm-hmm. One of our grads just finished his doctorate at Princeton, is now a prof at Dort. I, I, I can just go through. One, one's uh, in her second year at University of Chicago Law. Wow. Um, MBA, one's MBA from Wharton, MBA from... Uh, Notre Dame, MBA from, and, and I and we got go, we got people doing like engineering. We got people doing medicine. We got people it, doing it's a, business. Yeah, law. Be, because we're not shining you on. We say you get an education for all of life, and you could go anywhere. You go do anything because you treat you train people to to think clearly, to be creative, hard workers who don't need their hand held to do the work, and who are strong, clear, and persuasive communicators in the written and spoken word. Had that double swag. I could put on a bow tie and ski. Exactly. Yeah, the double exactly. swag. And yeah. drive the tank. And drive the tank. <laughs> but, For real, though. But I think yeah. back to your question, Chuck, is that um, I think part of, I mean, part of the answer to that, though, is if you stop at 12th grade and then you go and you get educated by the world, what Charles Sykes and is, is, is talking about, though, is the fact that higher ed, by and large, has rejected the idea of wisdom. 
Mm. So you can go to the university and go to the state college and you can you can dig around and you can probably find some good professors, some good instructors, and you can you can pull together um, an education. Yeah. You, but but it's but, but it's far different than going to a school where they understand on the front side we are going to teach you wisdom. And and the mm. thing is is I I get uh, like the K through twelve Christian schools that are out there now are doing an excellent job. But if you were to go to any of those schools and track their graduates as they go on through college, you would see that we are not doing a good job at the college level. I mean, we are the church is hemorrhaging well, yes. with our students yes. wow. in college. We're losing I, them all over the place. But isn't that, I, isn't I, that more of an issue? What's happening between the K and twelve instead of less of an issue? Of what's happening after grad? After after graduation? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, when I'm I, when I'm out on a campus, I, mean, I don't know if I already said this on on the show, but the the um. We go out on campus a couple times a week, um, sharing the gospel, preaching, and I've been blown away by how many students I run into. When we first started this, I thought I was going to be talking to lots and lots of students who you know, didn't know anything about Jesus, didn't know anything about the church, didn't know anything about God at all. And I am blown away that I think over half of the students I talked to grew up in a church, yeah. went to youth group, went <laughs> right. to Christian we are, school. We are and, losing them like crazy. And they're, they're at the university, and they said, "And I came here, and now I realize I don't need religion yeah. anymore." Done. And, and all these parents that sacrificed for all these principles yes. to put their kids K through twelve and give them this Christian education, they turn all the principles off yeah. when it when it comes to college. Mm-hmm. No government money. Right. Nope. They'll take all the government money. Suddenly, I've, I've heard of stats of. A, Upwards to eighty percent of Christians lose their faith in public secular universities. Oh, it's, it's, I, I don't. So, I don't think we realize. I don't think we realize like the 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 kind of full court press that's going on at yeah. the state colleges and the public no, universities. No, you're right. no. It is yeah. it is intentional. Yeah. yeah. We talked to the guy from Pride Campus. Pride is yes. coming up, right? Yes. Another next. We, that, that'll be next Friday. Not okay, this Friday. Okay. Next Friday. So in a couple yes. weeks, um, what's his name? Uh, the Chick Fil A buddies. The guy. The guy that came out about being uh, Dan Cathy's friend, Winmeyer. Yes, Shane. Shane. Shane Winmar. Shane Winmar. We talked to him. Yeah, but you know, yeah. I mean, it's a full court press. They, they, they want our kids. He's a Shane. Shane why... Campus Pride has a list of top 100 universities. A, a shame list for top 100 universities who are anti-LGBT friendly. Mm. They're they're shaming list. They're they're we, going full we court we pressing. We're, 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 tra- we're trying to get yeah. NSA on the list. We're doing <laughs> our best. I told him about it. <laughs> Go ahead. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only reason we're not on the list, all they did was there's a um, the schools that were taking government money. Yeah, um, Liberty University. Yeah, they're Masters taking the government money, but they don't want to follow this ideology. They had to get a special exemption to get out, and that created this list. Well, that list became the shame list. Yes, NSA is not on the list because we, we don't, don't take government money. Take government oh, money. Hey, hey, another plug for NSA. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, what do you know? Hey. So, real quick, real short, thirty seconds. Lay out the pattern for someone like me who doesn't have high school kids yet. They're still in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Lay out a pattern that I should probably think about when it comes to higher education for my kids. And how do I start that now? And what should I be thinking about, you know, the next 10 years to right. get on the to get on the plane where, hey, you know what? This is where I want my kids to be at so they can affect more gospel change in the You've world. You've got to chant Latin paradigms. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm I, kidding. <laughs> get, get them in a good, uh, you know, I mean, I th- honestly, the classical Christian schools, ACCS, schools like that, they're, they're doing the best job that I've seen. I would say get them in a good school like that and start thinking in a principal way about what what are the parameters around the decision making you'll have for college and I would say visit a few I mean visit ask him hard questions <laughs> that was a good sign he liked it so you can that's still drumbeat yeah <laughs>
So, uh, thank you everyone for listening to Trust Politic. Check, check us out, out Charles Sykes. Charles Sykes. Fail you. Check out NSA. Yes. St. Andrews College, NSA.edu. No doubt. What ACCS, right? I mean, that's a. Yep. Is it ACCS.org? ACS.edu. Google it. What? Dot org. Dot internet.